I don't know if you've noticed, but God is sending some very well-gifted people to this church, and we're incredibly blessed because of the gifts they bring to his table. Well, hey, my name's Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here, and just want to take this moment to extend a special welcome to you, especially if you're a guest with us today. Thanks for being here. Thanks for accepting an invitation on behalf of a friend or neighbor or coworker, wherever that came from, and, and joining us this morning as we conclude in our Pain Suck series. One of the things that you should know about our church here is that our mission, our purpose really, is to leave a trace of God's love everywhere we go. But God is also teaching us that there's something that has to happen on the front end of that if we're truly going to follow through on that mission, and that is actually seeing people that he's putting in front of us. Do you know that God actually puts people in your path for a reason? God's actually putting people in your way so that you'll see them, so that you can live an interruptible life and be prepared for whenever he gets your attention to notice someone so that he can leave a trace of his love through your life. And so my invitation to you this morning, if you've not yet joined us in that mission, will you join us in that mission? Because what we do in here is such a small part of what we really want to accomplish throughout the week. And so our hope is that all of you leave this place every single Sunday and you go leave traces of God's love all over this city. That's my hope. Well, today we do conclude this Pain Sucks series. And guys, I've got to tell you, I've been incredibly encouraged uh, by this series. This series has opened up so many conversations that have been hidden for far too long. Some of them being closed, meaning people didn't even think they had space, not even at church, to bring up some of the pain in their life. But this series has allowed some of you to come forward and surface the pain in your life. And can I tell you, that if that's been your case, thank you for your courage. I believe that oftentimes healing comes on the other end of a confession. Maybe it's a confession of something that you did that caused the pain to come in your direction. Maybe it's something that someone else did. But by getting it out, now we have it on the table where we can have a conversation about it and let God step into the midst of that pain with us. That's the kind of culture that we're trying to create here at Trace. And so if you play into that story of what's transpired the last few weeks, thank you. The first week I got up here when we started this series and I talked about how we've got to stop running from the person that we need to run to because when it comes to our pain, oftentimes what happens is we'll run to things that we actually need to be running from. And then the week after that, Corey and Amaris got up here and Amaris specifically talked about her pain of dealing with mental illness. And that conversation alone allowed many of you to come forward and, and let us know or someone know that you have a similar struggle. And they talked about how they're finding glimmers of hope in a world that far too often just feels dark. Then last week, Corey got up here and he talked to us about the theology of pain and how we worship a God that actually deals with our pain. He doesn't ignore it. And in two primary ways that he deals with our pain is he, send, he sends us his church, this plan. It's his plan A. There is no plan B. And the church was intended to walk with people through the pain of their life, allowing it to not be so heavy. And so God's way of dealing with our temporal pain here on this earth is through his church. But the way that God deals with potential eternal pain is through the cross. Because when Jesus died on behalf of your sins and my sins, when we get to the end of this life and we close our eyes for the very last time, we'll open them up in an environment where no longer there's pain or suffering. That's hope for each and every one of us. Well, today we're going to conclude the series 
And we're going to conclude it around this one particular question, and it's simply this. Is there a purpose in your pain? And before we kind of get that conversation, or how I want to get that conversation started, is by building a platform that starts with something that we probably all identify with, and that is we really didn't expect pain to come in our direction, did we? Or we didn't expect it to come when it came. I mean, when we were all younger, we didn't say things like, man, I want to be a doctor or a professional athlete. I want to have a family. And man, I want a ton of pain in my life. We didn't say that, did we? And so it's not uncommon for us to identify with one another that the pain in our life actually came and caught us off guard. I don't know what the color of your pain is, but I know it's a universal language that we all speak. I bet you weren't ready to hear that diagnosis, were you? Maybe you weren't ready for the divorce. Maybe that major disappointment or the fact that someone deceived you in that particular situation. You weren't ready to lose your job and therefore be underneath incredible financial stress. You weren't ready when he or she told you that they didn't love you anymore. Or how that injury would change the rest of your life because of the chronic pain that you deal with on almost a daily basis. When it comes to the pain in our life, many of us would say we weren't ready for it. And because we weren't ready for it, maybe now we say, I don't necessarily know what to do with it. Reminds me of a little boy whose parents talked him into going to the hospital to get a procedure done. And they kind of had to build it up and say, listen, it's not going to hurt that bad. You're going to be fine. And so he's trusting his parents, and so he goes to the hospital, and he's sitting in the waiting room beside another little boy, and he looks over, and he says, hey, man, what are you, what are you here for? The little boy says, well, I'm here to get my tonsils taken out. And he said, oh, man, it's not that bad. They're going to probably put you to sleep. You're going to dream through it. When you wake up, they're going to give you tons of popsicles. It's, it's really not going to be that bad. He said, oh, good, good, good. Well, what are you in for? The little boy looks back and he says, well, my parents tell me I'm here for a circumcision. The little boy goes, oh, man. They did that to me when I was born, and I didn't walk for a year. (laughs) It's not uncommon for the pain in our life to enter unexpectedly, which does often lead us to say things like, now what? What am I supposed to do with this? Unfortunately, this is where bad theology does often enter the equation, which is why we addressed this last week. But for our conversation today, I just want to hit on a couple quick things when it comes to the theology of pain because they're going to be important to note for the conversation that we're having today. How many of you, and just crowd participation here, how many of you have ever said these words, everything happens for a reason? Just raise your hand. Okay, I've said them too. And if you think of the statement, yes, it's a true statement. It really is. I mean, everything does happen for a reason. One way or another, there was a reason why something happened. But when we say it, when I say we Christians often say this, it's usually Christians are the only ones who say this. And there are bigger theological undertones to the statement that we're saying. Because when we say, hey, everything happens for a reason, we're insinuating that God wanted it to happen, right? I mean, those are the undertones of why we make those statements. And this is where I want want us to be careful. And I know I may catch you off guard here and You don't have to listen to me this morning, but maybe after I make my point, you will listen to me. I would encourage you not to say those words anymore. Are they true? Yes. But the very statement in and of itself is saying that God is causing everything to happen for his reason. And that's not necessarily a true statement. 
For instance, we may have a friend who loses their job. And when our friend loses their job, we look at them and we say, hey man, don't worry. God's got something better for you because everything happens for a reason. And in that very statement, that could be true. It could be true. But do we know that God wanted that person to lose their job because they had something better for them? Maybe not. Maybe they lost their job because they're lazy, right? Maybe they come in every day hungover. Now, what about the five-year-old little girl who gets raped? And I intentionally chose something that inhumane, something that is that repulsive to all of us, to make my point. Because if everything happens for a reason, and we're saying that with the undertones that God wanted it to happen, then we have to say it in both situations. Did God want that five-year-old little girl to get raped? And by the way, that happens daily somewhere in the world. Absolutely not. Let me remind you of something that Corey said last week. He said, God will never cause, cause sin to happen to accomplish his purposes. Let me show you something in the book of James. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire, by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Friends, if God will not put temptation in our way that will lead to sin, why in the world would we think that he would cause sin to happen so that he could allow something better to take place? I like the way Charles Stanley says it. He says this, he says, God is holy. So he can't be in the presence of sin. He is just, so he demands payment for wrongs. And he is loving and merciful, so he desires that all people know him in his saving grace. To lure people into wrongdoing and then judge them for disobedience would be contrary to his very character. I remember visiting with a family once. Uh, I got one of those phone calls that as pastors we never like to get. And a gentleman had taken his own life and... I went to be with the family and in their home, I knew them. And I remember the widow sitting down on a couch and she had several women around her and I was just kind of off to the side and I heard her say this statement. She said, how could this be God's purpose for my husband? I bet somewhere along the way, somebody told her, hey, everything happens for a reason. And so I made my way over to this lady and kind of, pushed my way through these other women, got in front of her, grabbed her hand, looked at her in the eye and said, this was not God's purpose for your husband's life because God doesn't cause sin to happen to accomplish his purposes. So now that we've determined that God doesn't do that, what does God do with our sin? Will, will he use it even if he didn't cause it? Will he use it? And let's actually broaden that question for us today. And let's say it this way. What will God use? Will he use sin? Will he use our pain? Will he use our mistakes? What does God use to bring about his purposes in this life and in our life? For those of us that have chosen to follow Jesus, we are given a very beautiful 
promise. And we can fall back on this promise even in some of our deepest moments of despair. Some would say this is one of the most beautiful promises in all of Scripture. And here it is. Wives, submit to your husbands. No, it's not that. I just... Here's what it is. And we know that in all things, in all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Here's what I know about God when it comes to our pain. Even though he may not remove it, If you will put your life in his hands, he'll get you through it. And if you'll let him get you through it, his promise is that he'll use it. It's one of the most beautiful promises in all of scripture. Let me take a time out for a second and talk to some specific people in the room or maybe some of you that are watching online. Some of you have been holding on to your pain for far too long. Now listen to me because I know this is sensitive. Some of you have had some things happen a long time ago and it was painful. And when you think about it, and because you often revisit it, you know who I'm talking to here. You keep revisiting it and you keep reliving that pain and you keep holding on to it yourself. But what happens when you keep it in your own hands is that the enemy can get a hold of it too. And when the enemy gets a hold of it, he's going to start using your pain against you and it will deceive you. It will deflate you, and if you hold on for it, if you hold on to it for too long, ultimately it could defeat you. But in the hands of your Father in heaven, your pain can be used for your good and His glory. I want you to meet someone that has the opportunity, if he wants to, to use pain as an excuse. If there's anybody that had a reason to use pain and just hold on to it to to keep him from moving forward in life, from keeping it from keeping God showing him how he could use it. If anybody wanted to just say, "You know what? Life has dealt me a bad hand and I'm done." It would have been this guy. But Ben decided that he would put his pain in God's hands so that God could get him through it and ultimately he would use it. Here's Ben I grew up in Grand Forks, North Dakota. When I was eight years old, my grandpa brought home Red Dawn, the original version with Charlie Sheen and Patrick Swayze and the Wolverines. And I watched that and I instantly, I guess I fell in love with military and everything and I said to myself you know what one day I want to do that one day I want to fight for my country go come on come on I go evidently your mission in life wasn't going to be completed in the Marine Corps. It's it's out here somewhere, and I think he's starting to find that, that he really has a connection with young kids, because he was, he was a pretty crazy teenager. You know, didn't like school, 
very, you know, kind of rebellious and that kind of thing. And I think he relates to these kids in a way that I can't. And he just really wants to influence the next generation of kids coming up because he's like, they don't have anything. They don't have anyone to, to give them drive, motivation, a reason to keep doing this. You know, they, they want things handed to them, but it's not going to work that way. And, you know, when you play a sport and when you're really going after a goal, you realize there's a lot of repetitive, there's a lot of, there's the daily grind and you have to go through that to get where you want to go. And you have to be disciplined. And so that's, that's what he wants to give them yeah, through this. That. How you feeling? Hurt yourself, man. It was uh, it was a beautiful morning outside, just like this, sun shining, blue skies, and just had this knot in my stomach. It's been hor it was started a week prior. I see a van walking by with a gun. I said, "Hey, do you mind if I gun today?" Because I had to, something tell me like get on the gun today. He's like, "Yeah, no problem, man." And then he drove. I was supposed to drive. And we get a call over the radio saying, hey, a Humvee's been blowing up, loaded up the Humvee, and we're off. We're going back to base. We take a turn. The boys were laughing, sitting there, reclined back in the turret, and all of a sudden, I'm looking into a, like a white light. And it happened so fast, I didn't feel anything. I didn't, all I heard was like a small, a very light ringing in my ear but I did feel myself spinning and flipping in the air. And it took me a few seconds to realize, and I thought, like, man, we just hit a bomb. And all of a sudden, I'm looking down on the scene, and above it, and I hear this most violent, horrific yell I've ever heard in my life. I look down, I see my body, saw it far towards my body, and then all of a sudden, I snapped to it and realized that was me yelling. Come on, let's go. It, people see him and they're like, oh, he still does that. Like, they're shocked that he hasn't just given up on life. No, and it's funny because his amputation is actually one of his more minor injuries that he sustained. Through this whole process, I was, um, one of the coping mechanisms was lifting weights. You know, my boys taught me how to lift weights in Iraq. From the moment I got back till now, weightlifting has been a huge part of my life. With ZV Athletics, the Z stands for Zenudo and the V stands for Van Alstyne, the two uh, Marines that we lost on that day. I think God spared me to give people hope because if I'm Because if I can overcome this, because if I can overcome this and people look at me and see my story, see where I've been, and see where I am now, they could say, you know what, I can do that. It gives me assurance that. Um, that I can help people through it. Like if I can overcome this, you can easily overcome losing 15 pounds or you could easily overcome making the varsity squad or winning the medal, whatever. You know, I said you just have to put in the work.
privilege of baptizing Ben a few years ago, and him and his family moved up here to be a part of this church plant, and he's been working with our youth. What happens when God doesn't answer our prayer to take the pain away from our life? We pivot. We pivot. And we move in his direction, hoping that he has a bigger purpose for it. The Apostle Paul asked God several times to take his pain away, but he never did. But instead of Paul running away from God for not answering that prayer, he actually leaned into God. And he said, God, your grace, it's enough. It's enough. Let me get off and take a quick detour because one of the things that we haven't talked a whole lot about but we need to in this Pain Sucks series is God's ability to heal our pain. I want to be careful because so many pastors and churches have misled people when it comes to this particular subject. And so I spent a lot of time with God this week making very fine critiques on how I wanted to approach it. So this morning, I want to be delicate, but I also want to be honest. Let's start here. Can God heal your pain? Absolutely. Hands down. We actually hear about medical miracles being done every single day in this country that makes no sense to physicians or even scientists. And those of us who believe know that that's divine intervention. In the book of Exodus, one of the names given for God is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals and restores. So we can know and believe and have faith that in God's very nature and who he is, he heals and he restores. But what I cannot tell you with absolute certainty this morning is why God chooses to heal sometimes and other times he does not. The Bible does, however, give us some particular passages that let us know why God may not answer some of our prayers, whether it's about healing or anything else. Here's a few of them. In James chapter 4, verse 3, it says that if we ask with the wrong motive, meaning if it's just about us, maybe it's a selfish motive, or maybe it's a motive that will end up causing harm to someone else, only, not, only God knows that. But if we ask with the wrong motive, that God won't answer that prayer. In James chapter 1, it says if we lack faith, that God won't answer our prayer. And even in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, husbands, now it's your turn. Depending on how you treat your wife, your prayers can actually be hindered. Friends, sometimes God doesn't answer our prayer of healing because he does have a purpose for it. But my honest confession to you this morning is knowing when that's the case or when it's just coincidence. But one of the things that we've already determined, it's not God's purpose for it if it happened on the other end of a sin. Have you ever thought about this? Maybe the pain in your life is an answer to prayer from something else that you prayed before. Meaning God had to put a little bit of pain in your life and in your direction so that he could answer a prayer that you did ask for with the right motives. For instance, what if I prayed for God to help me learn how to love my enemies? And in order for me to learn how to love my enemies, he had to put a little bit of pain in my life so he allowed the Patriots to win another Super Bowl. Right, But it could be true. Maybe God is answering your prayer 
from years past by putting a little bit of pain in your direction because that pain is going to take you to where he wants you to go and where you've asked him to lead you. Sometimes God puts pain in our lives or at least what we would perceive to be painful, but in his hands it's actually preparation. Don't miss that. God's put a little bit of pain in your life because it's going to prepare you for something that he has in store for you. In John chapter nine, we actually see an example of this. It says, as he went along, Jesus, as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. I think it's important to note because sometimes there's some bad theology out there that there's pain put in your life because of a sin. Could be, but it's not always. But Jesus said, this happens so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And then Jesus goes on to heal this man from being blind. Church, my honest confession to you this morning is that I do not know if God caused the pain in your life for a reason or whether or not he will choose to heal you. But what I do know is that if you will invite him into your life, his promise is that he'll use it for your good and his glory. I want to encourage you to pray a prayer that I pray often because when it comes to the subject of healing, as a pastor, I'm often asked to come into hospitals and come alongside people that maybe have just been injured, maybe are on their deathbed, and I've been asked to pray for healing. And what I do is I pray for what I know God can do. That's what I would encourage you to do. We know God can heal. And so we pray for what we know God can do. And I'll, I'll pray for healing with as much power as I possibly can. But then I leave it in his hands on whether or not he chooses to do it. And guys, if any of this is hard for you to stomach, can I remind you that his promise for you now in this life is that he will turn your pain into purpose. And when we close our eyes for the very last time, which all of us will do one day, his promise for our life to come is that all suffering and all pain will be a thing of the past. We all have that hope in Jesus Christ. So guys, as we conclude our time this morning and we wrap up this series, can I encourage you to put your pain in the Father's hands? Because in his hands, pain can be turned into purpose. In his hands, pain can be used to prepare you for something incredible that he has in store for you, but you're not ready for it yet. In his hands, pain can become a platform where so many others can even find hope. You see, it was in the midst of pain, of alcoholism, that a surgeon named Bob and a stockbroker named Bill got together and started a little group called Alcoholics Anonymous. And that little group now has over 2 million members and has become a platform where so many others have found hope in their addiction. Guys, it was the pain of losing her 13-year-old daughter to a drunk driver that Candace Leitner started mad. Mothers Against Drunk Driving, and she created a platform that no doubt has now saved thousands, literally thousands of lives. It was the pain from watching loved ones die of ALS that caused this internet phenomenon to happen known as the Ice Bucket Challenge that now has brought in over $115 million in donations, creating a platform that will hopefully lead scientists closer 
to a cure. And it was the pain of watching this guy win another Super Bowl that made many of us go to AA and dump a bucket of ice water on our heads. Sorry, couldn't. We almost certainly will not keep any Patriot fans at this church, I think. (laughs) Amen. It was the pain... It was the pain of some really bad decisions and living out the consequences of those decisions that caused a young man from the small town of Paris, Kentucky to end up in jail. Leading him to a pivotal decision. Keep going down the path of destruction or follow Jesus. He chose Jesus And now God is giving him a platform to help others choose Jesus as well. Do you know we have 10 baptisms today? Yeah. It was and is the pain of mental illness that caused a good friend of mine to fight the temptations of calling it quits on her own life. And instead, she's staying in the fight. And just a couple weeks ago, she got up here and demonstrated incredible courage in hopes that her story would bring some relief with others who are struggling with the very same thing. And just a side note, her message that she delivered a couple weeks ago on our website is the most viewed message since we started this church. For guys like me, that's what you call a lack of job security. (laughs) I want to close with this. You see, it was the pain of the cross that allows our worst decision, your worst decision, your darkest moment, your biggest regret and your deepest source of pain to be used for a bigger purpose. So it's time that you put your pain in the hands of the one who can turn it into purpose, who can use it to prepare you for something amazing and the one that can take your pain and give you a platform to lead others to hope. It's time we put our pain in the Father's hands. Let's pray. Lord, in so many ways, I'm encouraged by this church. God, in so many ways, I'm encouraged that we're creating this culture of transparency where people are willing to to talk about their struggles and their pain and even their own mistakes and areas where they've screwed it up. But God, where we find hope is the fact that even though you didn't cause some of those things, that you tell tell us you'll use it all, all of it. And sometimes we don't understand what that looks like. And I know that's okay, but I know we also get frustrated wanting answers. So Father, more than anything, my hope for everyone in this room as we we leave here today, that we're just reminded that we got to let it go. It's not for us to decide what you do with it. And if we just hold on to it ourselves and never give it over to you, it will defeat us. And so God, would you help us to open our hands and give our pain over to you? And God, would you do crazy things with it? Miraculous things with it? Would you give us purpose? And would you give us position and a platform because of our willingness to hand it over to you? I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.